The last contact Mavis Nelson's sister had with her was in April 2022. For three months, her sister was unaware that Mavis was missing until a phone call one day would change her world completely. In June 2022, the body of Mavis Nelson, 56, was found less than a mile from where she lived in Seattle, Washington. Her death ruled a homicide, and her family is still desperately seeking answers. This is the story of Mavis Nelson. Hey guys, this is Ash. This is Shiashi, and you're listening to We Are Resilient. I think I did the intro a lot better this time than the last time I had to do it. I uh, crumbled under the pressure. It's a lot of pressure to do that intro. Um, so I guess as you probably can tell, Maggie isn't with us today. She is off this weekend enjoying the very last weekend of summer. Or is it the last week of summer? Um, I think fall officially starts on the 22nd, I think. Yeah, I just feel like Labor Day is the end of summer. Like Tuesday, it should be like 60 degrees and fall. <laughs> I wish I love fall. It's absolutely my favorite season. Mine too. Summer's overrated. Absolutely. I am so ready for this fall weather. So Maggie isn't with us. So me and Osh will do our absolute best to try and stay on track. But we tend to squirrel quite easily. So bear with us. So Osh. Did you have any big weekend plans for the Labor Day holiday? Um, well, we want to go to the lake, but it's supposed to rain today. So we may wait and go tomorrow. Other than that, not much. Just sleeping. <laughs> I need to catch up on sleep. <laughs> yeah, we really didn't plan too much this weekend either. I don't know what it is. I do know that I am beyond tired. Like, I need naps. Lots and lots of naps. But I'm actually quite surprised that we managed to record this morning. You know, it's become quite clear that the three of us can't really function as a team in the, in the morning. <laughs> it's a scramble for us to get organized, guys. Uh, I'm proud of us that we are recording this early. Super early on a Sunday morning. Well, we say super early, but it's like 940 in the morning. Is that technically considered super early or is that like mid-morning already? I get up earlier than went back to sleep, so it's a little bit early. Some people are probably like, that's late. <laughs> the day is already gone. Oh, all right. Osh, what do you have for us today? So this story is a little bit different from our usual stories. Um, and of course, there's not a lot of information, but it seems to be the driving force of getting more awareness out for MMIW. Today, I'm going to tell you the story of Mavis Nelson, who's a 56-year-old mother of three children, a sister, a friend, and, and described as an all-around genuine person. Her family said she would do anything for anyone and had such a kind heart. Mavis, who also went by the nickname Boots because she loved to Boots. sing and dance. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh, that is an amazing nickname. And she got it because she loved to sing and dance to the song, These These Boots Are Made For Walking. Ah, <laughs> that's even more amazing. She lived alone in a studio apartment and had been separated from her husband for a few years and was living in Seattle to help her siblings. She's a member of the Yakima tribe of Seattle. Seattle. <laughs> Seattle. <laughs> it's okay, Osh. It's still early. It's early for us. And so a little bit of history of, of her tribe, uh, the Yakima tribe is located in southwestern Washington state and a federally recognized tribe known as the Confederate tribes and bands of the Yakima nation. And this is made up of, and I'm going to say these names, but I may say them wrong, um, 
Kalikat, Paulus, Walla Walla, Wanapam, Wanitachi, Wishma, and Yakima peoples. They have a population of more than 8,800 enrolled members, with 13,700 people living on or close by the reservation. They are hunters and gatherers, well known for trading salmon harvested from the annual runs in the Columbia River. Some sources say Yakima means growing family in their language. Oh, that's cool. So I've never heard of this tribe before, so that was interesting. Yeah, I'm not familiar with this tribe either. But to be fair, I haven't been familiar with a lot of the tribes that we've covered. But that's the point, right? We're all learning and and finding out more about indigenous tribes together. To learn about other tribes, yep. So Ernestine Morning Owl, who lives in Oregon and is Mavis's sister, hadn't spoken to her since April of 2022. As people do, we get busy, and that's just what Ernestine thought. She knew that Mavis was busy with her job working the front desk at a rehab center in Seattle. On June 21st of 2022, Ernestine got a phone call one morning from her nephew. He stated they found the remains in a ravine belonging to his mother. What? The King County Medical Examiner's Office ruled her death a homicide in that she suffered multiple sharp force wounds. Morning Al, her sister, was devastated. Oh my gosh, I can only imagine. That's a heck of a call to get. Because first of all, she didn't even know her sister was missing. Right? She just thought they hadn't spoken in a while. You know, had no idea she was a missing person. Oh my gosh. How long had she been missing? So they're not sure when she was reported, but the last time she talked to her was April. So April, May, June. So probably about three months. As the police are continuing their investigation, Mavis's family and friends are wondering where the urgency is to bring her killer to justice. Roxanne White, who is a friend of Nelson's and a founder of Grassroots Group in Washington State that advocates on behalf of missing and murdered Indigenous people, stated Mavis's death has begun to get attention, but only because her family is speaking out and not because of law enforcement. What do you mean not by law enforcement? What are they doing? Authorities have not said when Mavis was first reported missing, although the family believes Mavis's co-workers will have done so early on because she never missed work. The information that was released stated Seattle Police Department was contacted by University of Washington Police to assist in the investigation of human remains that were discovered in their jurisdiction. The remains were found in the Kincaid Ravine near Ravina Avenue Northeast and Northeast 45th Street. They were able to identify the victim as a 56-year-old woman who was missing in Seattle. So the family believes that it was her co-workers that reported her missing. Yeah, because she lived alone. She lived alone in Seattle and um, worked at a rehab center. And she never missed work because her family described. And so they believe that her co-workers reported her missing because she never showed up for work. So how does this process work? So when someone's reported missing, is it not investigated? They don't reach out to family and say, hey, so-and-so is reported missing. Have you seen her? I I don't understand how the family didn't know. It didn't ever specify. Now, her sister is the one who did not know she was missing. And I'm not sure if her children knew that she was missing or not. I would assume that they, they probably did know. The family is hoping that someone will go back to this timeline and someone remembers something. A lot of time has been lost and a lot of crucial time has passed. They want to put the puzzle pieces together and find the missing pieces so they catch whoever did this. Okay, I think we need to go back because you said when she was found, she had multiple s- stab wounds? Stab wounds. They don't know what happened to her, where she was going. There's no details. They just, they know what the conclusion of her, of what happened was, but they don't know why she was there, where she was going, who did it, 
why they did it. I can't imagine what this family is having to deal with because three months is a lot of wasted time, you know, and having to piece together the timeline of what happened to her. I mean, there's people that may have seen her, uh, talked to her, her friends. Like, I need to know more details because at this point, they don't have anything, anything that points to what actually happened to her. It's extremely backwards. They found the body, found out the victim is a missing person, and now they're trying to figure out what happened and who did this. Roxanne White, who I mentioned earlier, was a good friend of Mavis's said that she was a beautiful person and I never forget how kind she was to me. She hasn't seen Mavis in years and was surprised to learn that she'd been killed. She said in a situation like that, what happened with Mavis, that was a real sad thing. And not even myself as a grassroots advocate had heard that she was missing. You know, based on what you're telling us today, it sounds like Mavis was just a lovely person and just lets us know there's there's a lot of unanswered questions here because you know was she dating somebody at the time was she having an argument with with somebody there's just a there's a lot of unknown in this case and i just i really feel for this family because it's got to be excruciating to know that your loved one who was this kind lovely warm person died in such a horrific way now, Washington has rolled out an, an Indigenous missing person alert in July, two months after Governor Jay Inslee signed it into law. It is similar to Amber Alerts and Silver Alerts, in which information about missing Indigenous person is distributed to the public by texts and signs on the highways. Two alerts have been issued since the program launched, during, including one that helped locate a missing person within 24 hours. So it sounds like they're moving in the right direction. But this was not included in Mavis's um, case. Oh, because this rolled out in July and she was found in June. Oh, that's so tragic. This happened right after. Yeah, right after. You know, I touched on this briefly when I did the mini episode on Helen Doe. And I, I, I don't want to say it's mixed feelings I have because one, this is obviously a very, very good thing that um, was passed and is being rolled out. But at the same time, it's like, how have we gotten to this point that we need a special alert system dedicated to a incredibly vulnerable population? And we need this now for when our people go missing. Yeah, that's very true. It just feels like at this point with her case and the fact that they're having to work backwards through this timeline, you know, of three months that the possibilities of what happened to Mavis are endless at this point. Abigail Echo Hart, who I mentioned before in another story we covered and is the executive vice president of the Seattle Indian Health Board and of the Pawnee Nation, she said that law enforcement has, histor- has historically failed to accurately collect racial and ethical data and continues to misclassify Indigenous people. And when Indigenous people are identified, they are not always afforded the same treatment by authorities. Native women are stereotyped. Oh, for sure. They're known as runaways, substance abusers, or sex workers. It's as if they did something to deserve what happened to them. As of June, when this information was released, the Washington State Patrol tracked 132 active cases of missing Indigenous people. They stated they will release a poster with a person's photo only when the family or lead law enforcement agency requests it. But if they're reported missing, then obviously they're missing. Someone has not seen them. So regardless of where they're at, why would you not just go ahead and put their information out there? This doesn't sound right, huh? 
No, because what if they're estranged or what if they just don't talk to their family or like in this situation, they live in another state and the family doesn't know they're missing and the family doesn't know they need to reach out to law enforcement and say, hey, my loved one is missing. I mean, that just leaves it open for this person to go unnoticed for a long period of time. Yeah, just like in this case. It sounds like her family didn't know she was missing, so they didn't request um, the patrol office to release these posters because they didn't know. So there were, obviously were no posters, missing persons, posters of her out. My gosh. So really, it just feels like nobody was looking for her in this time span that she was missing. It doesn't sound like it, no. Washington Attorney General Bob Ferguson is asking state leaders for funding to start a cold case unit focusing on unsolved murders of indigenous people. According to the latest data available, the Seattle leads the nation in the number of murdered and missing Indigenous women and people cases. Washington has the second highest number of cases in, of any state in the country. So here's some shocking data. Um, of the 2,268 recorded unsolved homicides in Washington, nearly 5% involve an Indigenous victim. Yet Indigenous people make up less than 2% of the state's population. Isn't that shocking? Oh my gosh. So less than 2%, but makes up 5 5%. Yeah. Well, no wonder they needed an alert system. My gosh. Like, I don't understand why there's so much prevalence of MMIW in certain areas. I don't get it. And the fact that it's so bad that an emergency alert system has to be made specifically for this population. It just... I'm mind blown. It's shocking, yeah. Getting little to no information about a loved one, just just like in this case, creates mistrust between the families and the law enforcement. Mavis is the third Yakima woman murdered this year, and authorities are awaiting toxicology results on a fourth Indigenous woman who died on the Yakima Reservation under suspicious circumstances. So yeah, it's worth looking into to see what's going on. Why are there so many missing cases up there? So let me get this straight. In 2022, this year, we are looking at our fourth murdered Indigenous woman for the Yakima tribe. And when I looked at that list, that was just women. There were also men. There were men on that list as well. So that number is actually higher. I'm at a loss. For Ernestine Mavis's sister, she's dedicated to retracing her sister's last days and trying to find out why someone would want to hurt her. She was found less than a mile from where she lived in the area of the University of Washington's campus. Her family has not been able to hold a funeral because her body was in the possession of the coroner as part of the ongoing investigation. It is labeled as a homicide, and I hope they find answers to who did this to her. So they couldn't even hold a funeral for her? No. And when you think about it, a lot of the traditions and cultures of a lot of Native people is to bury their people. Fairly quickly. Yeah. Sometimes it's the same day. And, you know, they're going against their customs and traditions because they're Wanted to find out what happened to her. There's no answers. Just the fact that she had been stabbed to death, found less than a mile from her home. She was apparently missing. The family didn't know. Like, this is just tragic all around. And going back to what you said about the fourth indigenous woman being found murdered. I just, is anybody else listening floored by the notion that we need an emergency alert system for indigenous people? You know, and just thinking about her sister, you know, and the fact that they hadn't really talked in a few months because of 
you know, life. You know, I have a brother that lives in another state and we don't talk all the time. It could be weeks or months in between when we talk. But, you know, if I'd found out the reason we hadn't talked or communicated and that he was missing and he'd been missing the entire time, that would be devastating. Oh, yeah, for sure. Because just like you said, that's what happened in this case. They were just they just have busy lives. You know, they just didn't have a chance to catch up yet. And then she finds out that she'd been murdered and this whole time she'd been missing. Yeah, that is very devastating. Yeah. And a quick shout out to my brother. Uh, He finally started following us on Facebook after we've been doing this for almost a year. So, you know, it's about time he got on board. So, (laughs) you know, what really bothers me to no end is the similarity in these cases over the fact that there is such a lack of urgency in finding these women. We hear all these new stories that go on and on about other women non-natives who go missing and their cases are solved within a matter of days, within a matter of weeks. And then you've got this case and there's still no answers. Most of these cases, there's no answers and it's scary and it's frustrating because, you know, we've said this many times, this could easily be me, you, or Maggie. You know, our hearts go out to uh, Mavis's family and we really hope that there's closure and that there's justice, and whoever committed this act against Mavis is caught and brought to justice. We'll be back in two weeks with another full episode. Um, Maggie will be with us the next time. When you guys turn this episode off and go on with your lives, just remember these women. Remember Mavis, and let's just keep our fingers crossed that justice gets served. Thank you for listening to We Are Resilient. For links to information found for this episode, you can follow us on Facebook and Instagram at We Are Resilient Podcast. Send us an email at weareresilientpod at gmail.com or visit us at www.war-podcast.com.